Blog Talk Radio. Play Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Like you, you don't go into every game expecting to lose 
10 to 2. Like, we don't think that we're going to get walloped like the Pirates do every freaking night, like the Reds do every night. Like, the, if you're a Reds fan, you're watching the game figuring out, okay, how are we going to manage to throw a perfect game today and lose? Because that's about the only thing that they have left to do. As an Orioles fan, you're now watching these games. You're like, all right, our star prospect is up. Adley's up. Let's see. Kenny, is he going to hit at a major league level? How is he going to look at it as a catcher? And you know that right behind him, we've got the number one pitching prospect in baseball coming up in Grayson Rodriguez. Behind him, there's B.L. Hall, who may or may not get his September call-up at the end of the year. You've got guys like Kyle Stowers, who's tearing the cover off the ball right now down in double-A, uh, triple-A. We, we just sent down a guy, Tyler Nevin, before this Yankee series, who was nine for his last 17 or something like that. Or no, he was seven for his last 19. That's what it was. And we had, he was like, he, he wasn't, you know, killing, killing it at the major league level. But, you know, you watch his last like, four or five games and he was, he was always coming up with a timely clutch hit. He was finally seeming to put it together, but we had to send him down because we just needed bullpen arms. But the team is fun to watch again. Even if they're not going to win every game or they're not going to win every series, you feel like they have a chance. And it actually is exciting to watch the games again instead of just like, okay, how, are we, like, how bad are we going to lose? Or what new method of blowing a game are we going to pull out tonight? Like, you feel it's, like you're starting to turn that corner. It's funny. I mean, I definitely think it's it's not the Orioles that we've seen the last couple of years. And and you, just even hearing you and anybody who's listened or has listened to this show, or I think anybody who knows you, uh, knows darn well that um, there's just a different – there's just a different um, – tone to, to you talking about the Orioles. It's not doom and gloom. And I, I do expect, I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't really expect the Orioles to compete for a world series, but I mean, you know, crazier things have happened. Um, but I, I love it. I mean, I do really like, I mean, they're, they're right now they're what they're, uh, I just looked it up. They're 18 and 25, but you're right. Mm-hmm. That's not, there's a big difference. If you even swing five games to the other column and then it's you know a thirteen and thirty, and that's what I felt like we've been used to seeing from the Orioles for for quite some time, quite frankly. Uh, you know, which right now you mentioned the Reds, they're twelve and twenty nine, they're right at about that that number that I had just mentioned. So it's great. Um, but one, you know, Nate, you, you, you said one thing more than a few times, and I think um, as a Yankee fan, right? Yankees are right now sitting at twenty nine and thirteen. Uh, Mets also sitting on 29 teams. So both of the both of the New York teams, you know, are are leading the way in baseball, which is just absolutely unfathomable. With obviously the NL West right behind them, but from a watchability standpoint, right? And this is something we talked about a few weeks ago, and I didn't um, get a chance to tune into you guys last week. I, I, it was my uh, my daughter's fourth birthday. Shout out to uh, to Samantha. Uh, she's awesome. I'm sure you're not listening. You should be going to bed if you are. Um, but listen, baseball, I, I hate to say it because I think there's an inherent bias, but I feel like baseball is just straight up more fun lately. I don't know if that has anything to do with the way the ball is different, if players are putting the, uh, putting the ball in play more, or maybe if it's just very simply that the Yankees try to hit home runs or had tried to hit home runs, be boom or bust. And lately they're not trying to do that. It seems like they're actually getting timely hitting. And I, I don't know if, if maybe the um, change in the baseball has helped a little bit. Um, because now it seems like teams are saying, okay, you know what? Forget the launch angle. Just get your bat on the ball. And and I'll, I'll use Giancarlo Stanton for as an example. You know, the guy you know, had a really good stretch and all he did was that was different was really like I said, put the bat on the ball, right? He um he he was hitting hard line drives as opposed to and that's 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 the key, right? It's the hard line drive. Um you, you know, I'm watching the Orioles and the way they're approaching these at bats, they're more just like let's get runners on, let's try to do something, let's not try to just hit home runs. Now don't get me wrong. Uh, you look at a guy like an Aaron Judge or an Anthony Rizzo or the Joey Gallows that, that we have and it's like uh, I think I forget uh, if it was you guys, but 
somebody had made a point, you know, it felt like the Yankees had just been basically, you know, the Adam Dunn's, um, where it was, you know, let's whatever, get a two, get a two twenty, two forty batting average, and just hit the ball out of the ballpark. But you can't construct a team like that, especially if they're going to dead in the ball. I mean, I think that's the clear. I mean, do you, do you think I'm wrong on that? Like, it seems like there's just something's happened, and it seems like the league has just sort of, and not dramatically, but there's this shift away from the long ball. I mean, am I crazy on that one? No, I think you're right. And that's, you know, if I'm going to just stick with the, stick with what I know here and my observations watching the Orioles, part of the reason why I think they are a lot more exciting to watch this year is if you look at their lineup, three of their big performers are Cedric Mullins at the top, Austin Hayes, with he's been batting all over the freaking place in their lineup, and then Jorge Mateo, former Yankees, oh, yeah. who's now finally getting the chance to play every day down at the bottom of the lineup. And those three guys, their big asset is speed. I think I don't for the right. longest time I always thought that speed was going to you know when the A's and Billy Bean broke through with Moneyball was oh you got to get your on base percentage up. It's all about throwing walks, and that was like the market inefficiency that everybody was harping on. For the longest time, I've always figured that speed was going to be the next market inefficiency, but I had no idea how it would be harnessed, and I don't think baseball knew how to harness it. But now that you've got this, and you know what, I think that we're going to see this even more next year when they do finally ban the shift. I think you're going to and bring in these guys. I think that's equally and important. And bring in yes. Yes. Right. The only real problem with Jorge Pitt right now is that he's a very free swinger. He hasn't figured out how to – he hasn't quite figured out how to walk and how to just use his speed as an asset. But once he gets on – you know he's going to take second right. base, and it's basically just like, go ahead and stop him. And like you, like you were hitting, it's not about, okay, we need to clog up base pass and then play for the three-run home run, the grand slam. It's, I've got a man on first, and now all I'm going to do is just flip the ball in the left field, and I'm just going to let these guys run for days. Right. right. Did that all freaking weekend against the Orioles. Now, luckily, we ended up winning two out of three in that series, but it – because we beat the race in their own game. Now, it's fun when you watch these games. It's like, okay, you scored one or two. I don't need to rely on a three-run home run to get this back from a guy where I don't know who's going to hit from. I just need to string a couple of hits together and just let the guys run. Let them run, let them run. And then, you know, if your pitcher makes a mistake, well, now you're really in trouble because that two-run inning just turned into a five-run inning. You know what? Um you hit the nail right on the head, and, and um, it, I just I wanted to grab a stat that I had seen, and this is through the um, sporting news. Last year, there were two thousand two hundred and thirteen bases stolen. That was the lowest full season total, excluding the pandemic year since nineteen seventy three, and that was with six less teams. Um, in 73, there were 24 teams that got 2034 stolen bases. And again, um, you know, the, the, art, the headline of the article that I found to, to find this, again, via the Sporting News is uh, stolen bases, baseball's lost art playing pivotal role in 2021 MLB season. And you just talked a lot about Cedric Mullins running around on the base pads. Um, and I think, I, I don't know if I want to go so far as to say it, it was a lost art. I think it was just something that was de-emphasized, which I get. And, and it's based, you know, sports are cyclical. It's going to happen again. Um, where where yeah, I, I do completely envision a scenario where, you know, maybe 20, 30 years from now, something will happen, and maybe the home run will be the, the, the piece of the game that's, that's just kind of gone by the wayside and everybody's playing small ball, because that's the way it works. People will try to maybe make teams hold Ichiro's and, and – uh, um, and guys like that, you know, contact hitters. And I, I look forward to that because we talked about it ad nauseum, and so has everybody, but um, action. That's, that's why I think football does it so well is you have these little pockets of action, whereas it seems like with all of the strikeouts and the home runs, it's been pockets of um, inaction. Now, I want to get another perspective here, Nate, but not from you. 
<laughs> we got a we got one other guy out there. Is that you, Mike? What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Hey, hey Mike. Mike. Welcome aboard. Hey, I appreciate it. How are you guys doing tonight? You know what? I was doing great until we got on the on the on the stupid call, and uh, like three minutes in, the Orioles took the lead on the Yankees. But I, you know, I <laughs> they played the playing good ball. So, uh, and I like I like Nate. I don't like Nate when he's grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, you're mentioning this, and I was looking at something the other day, and I was actually surprised by it. I, I saw my stats in my fantasy league that he was doing good, and I'm following with the Braves. But this year, since he's come off the disabled list, in his first 50 at-bats, Ronald Acuna already has eight steals. That's crazy. Right? Like, And he was getting on How base more, so, like, he was – Hitting about 290, 280 with about a 390-plus uh, OBP. Um, but 50, eight steals in just, his first, uh, in just his first 50 at-bats. And it's like, I, you know, you're not going to keep that pace. But, like, hey, if the home runs start coming, which I think with him they will. As the weather warms up and as he continues to get right, like he's hitting for more average. He's got a couple of hits tonight. Um, like he's, you, you're starting to see him, uh, you're starting to see him catch up to the baseball, right? Um, so the the home runs with him come in bunches. Like he'll have a he'll have a day or a three game series where he'll easily hit four or five pretty easily. Like um, and then the ball just starts flying out of the yard, but. Uh, to get that kind of, especially after coming off a, a major injury and whatever else, and to get that kind of start on the base pass at, in so few at-bats is pretty impressive to me. I, You know, I would love to hear the perspective from a pitcher on what they think of all of this. And I feel, you know, at the beginning of the season, we heard some rumblings from a few pitchers saying, oh, the ball is different or, or this, that, and the other about the just the game being a little bit different, but I, I feel like it's tapered off as the season's going on. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like we're seeing a different brand of baseball this year than we are than we were last year, and it's 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 so you know, and the two of you know better than anybody um, that that this oh my gosh that this sport is so nuanced. Uh, Glaber Torres just rocked one into left field and it was gone off the bat. Um, still behind though, but, uh, anyway, um, I think the nuance of this, as I sit here, as we all sit here trumpeting about the sport, not being so home run heavy, the last two things I've had to say have been about home runs. Um, all four Yankee runs have come via the home run today, which is really, it's, it's, it's so ironic because that was going to be my main point today where, yes, we'll be seeing the headlines about Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo hitting their home runs, but it hasn't just been that. It's been pitching. It's been been the team effort, right? Um, It's been bullpens, I think, that have been doing well. And I don't just mean this about the Yankees. And maybe, uh, you know, in part, the other team I, I, I get the most information on just from where I am are the Mets. And it seems like the Mets, despite having pretty much doing their annual, oh, my gosh, he's hurt, uh, they're still putting together wins. And and I have uh, former Oriole manager Buck Showalter is truly where I point all that to. Did you guys actually uh, – um, I got. I want to ask you, um, uh, Mike, did you hear the story about Buck Showalter and his birthday? I did not hear that story. My, but, uh, Nate, you hear this one? The last story I heard about Buck Showalter was that he let Ryan Flaherty bring his pet monkeys to spring training. I have not heard the story about Buck's birthday yet. (laughs) So uh, I guess in short, uh, they had a pretty wild um, surprise party for Buck Showalter. And, you know, it wasn't too – you know, it was was fun. But they blindfolded him and took him to the batting cage – um, and they all ended up singing and, and doing some cheering for him. And then they had a pinata. And it's, you know, uh, it's funny. It's cute, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an adorable little story, especially because it's Buck Showalter. And the two of you, uh, you know, know very well 
that he isn't exactly Mr. Fun and Games, um, but he's he's not, you know, Mr. Angry all the time. Not like, um, you know, too serious. But the fact that the the fact that the Mets, their culture has gotten to a point now where they're like, hey, let's let's go out and do this silly stuff for Buck Showalter together. I mean, I I, I it, it, it's unbelievable to see the Mets being that way. Uh, and, and maybe in part it is sort of the craziness of Steve Cohen trickling down the franchise, um, which is not something I would have expected out of when I heard the Mets were getting Buck Walter. I never would have guessed in a million years that they would go the whole pinata route on his birthday. Um, so just a little fun story coming out of the Mets. You know, they've got a lot of injuries, but they've got a lot of wins. And it's going to be a while before they get their pitchers back. I just thought that was a real fun story. That is really cool, and I think the one thing that I will say, I think Showalter, it doesn't surprise me, like, in his past, he's helped kind of turn organizations around. Listen, he was the manager of the Orioles the last time they made the postseason. Um, He was the manager of the Yankees right before Joe Torre came in and they won. He helped the Diamondbacks organization kind of get on the right track, and then, you know, they obviously pushed him out and brought in uh, somebody else to win, uh, but he has he's turned organizations around. I think that that veteran leadership and that sort of old head who's been around the game forever, who's kind of a field rat. Like I think that helps. But yeah. the other thing that I point the other thing that I point to with the Mets is, uh, listen, they really spent some money. They did some things to really upgrade this team. Um, that offense is much better uh, than it was a year ago. They put so much stock into pitching, and can we just hit enough to support our pitching? Uh, but that offense has has really picked up. I mean, like they were able to get rid of Cano. Uh, McNeil settled yeah. down some, um, but uh, Brandon Nimmo has really been kind of an igniter at the top of that order, and then. Uh, we know about Starling Marte and what he brings, but then to me, when they first made this signing, I was like, I like this a lot. I really like Mark Canha. Um, his average is not always there, but he gets on base a lot. He's an on-base machine. Um, he's got some pop in his bat, and I, I didn't check to see where he's hitting tonight, but he actually had to move up in the order a couple times because of some things. Uh, you know, some attrition or whatever on that team or when uh, Marte was down. But he has uh, he's done a really nice job kind of helping stabilize that lineup as well. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at those moves and those additions to that team and and it's you can see why. Uh, this team is is not just built around pitching. I mean, obviously, uh, Scherzer's out six weeks, big loss there. Uh, we don't know when DeGrom's coming back. And so we're not sure what we're getting there, but there's still still some depth in that rotation. They can still pitch a little bit. Um, Taylor McGill, uh, Tyler McGill being out too, I mean, that's, you know, three-fifths of their uh, projected uh, rotation. I mean, you still got Carrasco. You still got other pieces, but – uh, this team has really made a concerted effort to get better across the board, um, and I think that I think you're seeing uh, the dividends of that right now. Now, I mean, Nate, I want to get that's a really really good point. I mean, they 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 had a plan and they executed the plan. On the flip side, you know, I look at a team like the Athletics. So I, I heard yesterday their their team batting average is somewhere around. You know, two hundred eight, two ten, somewhere in that range. Um, That's it, not good. It's, man. it's all. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's not just it's not what you want. That means you're failing eight out of ten times. Um, it, what? I, how, so we just talked about the the plans that the Mets put together. They executed, and they're 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 doing it. like they're doing the thing. But it bothers me that we're seeing sort of the flip side with. The the um the Reds are who we thought they were. The A's are who we thought they were. Um, to steal the Dennis Green line. Reds are playing I mean, better after any... that tough stretch though. 
I mean, listen, even my four-year-old gets math <laughs> problems that she doesn't know right every so often, okay? Um, <laughs> you're gonna, it's baseball. You're going to back into a, a, a couple of wins back-to-back here or there. Um, well, yeah, because and, the Reds and, get to play the Pirates 19 times. <laughs> you know, that's a great point, though. I mean, the division, I think your division says so much about your own success, but I, I, is there – I just – I'm so annoyed. I just I'm, – I'm, just, I'm straight up annoyed by That's going to change next year, by the way. They're going to a more even schedule. Um, yeah, they're bouncing, bouncing up the schedule next year. Um, yeah. So, I, I, so, you know what? Yeah, and, and – but do you think that will change the success or lack thereof of both the A's and the um, and the Reds? No, but I'm just saying it's going to minimize your previous statement of your division determines so much about your success. When that when the schedule becomes uh, more balanced, it's it's going to make it to where teams from the stronger uh, the stronger teams have a much better chance to get into the playoffs. I want to just make a go on a record by saying I don't like it, and I I I I'm largely not a huge fan of of interleague play, but I get it. I think you need it um, this day and age because because you know baseball has gone from a local sport where you're looking at the local teams and listening to the local radios to now you have the internet. And I think the internet has has destroyed any sense of baseball being a local sport. I know. You guys might disagree with me on that, but I just think in, in, in the world we live in today, there's no such thing as local anything. Um, but I like that your schedules in baseball were so heavily stacked with your um, in-division, indiv- and it really mattered. Like, you know what? Ooh, it didn't. It, you just need to be good enough to beat the teams in your division. You'll get in the playoffs, and then – Hopefully you've got a good one-two punch in your top of your rotation, and then you'll have a chance to win the World Series. But right. I, you know what? This is gonna. This I'll, I'll let you go, Mike. I just I don't think being they should put the best six teams or whatever in the playoffs. I think it should be the best team from each division, and then there's two teams that are transcendent of their, you know, that maybe got put in a bad spot in the division, and that's how you get into the playoffs. But you should be making the playoffs based on your abilities within your division, not how you stack up relative to the rest of the league. I think you're still going to see the division winners uh, make the playoffs, and then you're still going to see the next uh, best record. So I think you're still going to see that. Um, the one thing that I will say, I, I do agree with you that the – Internet and everything else have made the game more accessible. So, I mean, it is much easier to follow or be a fan of a team that's not necessarily in your market. Um, that being said, if you think about from the fans' perspective, uh, the, you know, the the one exciting thing about balancing the schedule a little bit is you are going to get to see teams that you don't normally see. You're going to be able to rotate those teams through. So, as a fan. You know, you can go see, uh, you know, if you're a Braves fan, you could still go catch Shohei Otani and Mike Trout every couple of years instead of having to wait, say, uh, six or seven years before they come back around on the schedule. So I, I do think that from a a fan's perspective or from a marketing perspective, if I'm uh, helping promote the team and helping launch campaigns, I think that being able to see stars from other divisions and or from the other league, uh, frequent your stadium more often I think is good for PR purposes and for marketing purposes to help you try to put tails in the seats. So I – Nate, I want to hear, hear – yeah, no, Nate, go ahead. Well, I was just going to jump right off, like just kind of piggyback off of what Mike was saying with a couple of things. I'll, I'll dovetail off Mike first with an example. The Orioles, what was it, two weeks ago we played in St. Louis. That was the first time that Baltimore has played in St. Louis since 2003. We are the, Baltimore was the last team to play in the current edition of Bush Stadium. That's absurd. No team should go 17 years between visits to a city. That's like I don't understand that, even with the – Localized, it's 19, by the way. Yeah. Five, yeah, it's now uh, – math is not my strong suit. 
It's now 5-5, by the way. The Yankees tied it up in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, but also, you know, as another element of why I like the balanced schedule that's coming in next year, the Orioles are, as everybody knows, have been rebuilding for several years. And, you know, we finally have our prospects that are starting to years. bubble up to the top, and they look like, well, yeah, years. <laughs> Since 2018, baby. But, you know, you finally have these guys that are starting to come up. But then if you look at the look at the MLB prospect ratings, and, yeah, the Orioles have, like, what, I think five guys in the top 100. The only other teams that have that many or more prospects in the top 100 are all ALE teams. So the entire division is just that good. So it, when you look at it from that perspective as an Orioles fan, you're like, man, I still have to play 19 – I have to play the Yankees. 19 times, even though I'm finally getting better, they're also getting just as good and getting just as better, plus they have all the money they can throw at it. It's nice to know that we're at least going to have a chance that, as an Orioles fan, that we can go and we can beat up on Oakland when they're bad, and we can go play Cincinnati or go beat the crap out of Cleveland when they're rebuilding, and you know, maybe stay competitive instead of just getting our head handed to us 81 times a year. No, that's. I think that's that's very fair, uh, and that's a, that's just one of those things where I have a very different perspective because you know, again, respectfully, uh, the Orioles have been in large part the doormat um, for the uh, AL East, and and you have, like you mentioned, you have the Yankees and the the Red Sox who can and will go out and spend. But then you also have the Rays, who I don't know what they're putting in their water out there. Um, but whatever it is they're doing, it's just it's just they don't they don't take a season off. Um, so yeah, I, I I I respect that one, and that's tough for me to put myself in those shoes. But I'm just you know I'm not a purist in all things with baseball, but that seems like one where I just have a tough time. Um, saying, listen, if you don't win your division, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But, no, I, yeah, the deck is just stacked against the Orioles. So I'll give it just a chance. I'll probably end up liking it anyway. Um, well, you know, they've done this before. This isn't the first time they've gone away from They've tried to try when they first. Actually, I think, what was it, like like 15 years ago when they, then they really threw it, made it division heavy, something like that? Maybe it was – Yeah, maybe when, they first, when they first – when they first introduced interleague play and that kind of stuff too, they kind of went away from, you know, eighteen, nineteen games in the division, and they, um, and they, and they re- like a few years later kind of brought it back. But they did go away from that a little while where you were playing, uh, where you were playing, you know, everybody say twelve times in the league or something, and then you were trying to fit the interleague games in. I, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Look, Nate, if, if if it gives teams like the Orioles or the A's um, chances to, to, to get in the postseason and give them exposure, that's great. But I don't – I'm struggling with the point that you both had, had made and agreed with where, you know, you're trying to sell the star power. You're trying to sell Shohei Otani coming into town, and that's the draw. I mean, if you look at where Shohei – I'm just going to keep using him as the example, where he, where the Angels have gone and played. I mean, are people paying? Are, is, is he drawing that much that it's making a difference? Is it going to be that big of a difference if he goes and plays a series in you know St. Louis or or you know in in either uh, you know Chicago or New York those big markets? I don't. I just I don't see it where. That's the sales pitch, and that's that's the response. That's not that's not baseball's fault. Well, it is actually it's literally baseball's fault for not marketing their stars. But I think this is a chicken and egg conversation where does baseball need to build up their stars so people go and see them, or do people put the do you you know if you build it they will come and you put the stars in those cities? But people need to know to go to to watch it. I don't know. I think they. I, I don't. I, to be fair, that that example of uh, was it Baltimore not having been to St. Louis? And what did you say? It was something like 19 years or whatever it was with your fuzzy math. Um, 2003 was their last visit. That's 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 awful, right? That's that's egregious. It stinks. But 
it's, I'm not going to lose my head. I'm personally not going to lose my head over that one. I can, I'm sure there's some team that hasn't been to Yankee Stadium uh, in some, you know, X number of years. I, you know, the Cubs rarely come to town. But, you know, in my, in my mind, I'm like, all right, so what? Play the teams that are put in front of you um, and beat them. That's kind of my philosophy on it. You know, it's like uh, – it's like when in, in um, football, right, when, when teams start running up the score and then somebody goes for a two-point conversion after your way up, and they always say, you know, why are you doing that? It's like, well, why aren't you stopping us? Um, go <laughs> look at each play in, within the silo and with, uh, of that play rather than the big picture. And I would say the same thing, you know, it, it was in baseball, and it's more true in baseball than, than I think any other sport because it's a pitch-by-pitch situation. And you have more pitches in baseball than you have plays in, in football. I mean, you have more shots than you have shots in hockey. Um, then I think, you, you know, then, then you certainly have shots in, in basketball. Although, you know, with basketball can get weird sometimes and depends on which level of the sport you're talking about. But baseball, more than any other sporting event, it's, it's 100 or really 150 to, you know, per team, you know, micro transactions, for instance, of, of a pitch. And you need fans to be excited about all of them. Not, maybe not all of them. That's a, that's a bit dramatic. But I don't know. I don't see the players being the draw. I just don't. And I don't think that's well, a reason to, 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 to balance the schedules and devalue the division. Go ahead, Mike. I... I I see what you're saying. I just think um, I think that it's not as easy to afford uh, games anymore. I I think that if you are planning to go see a team or you're trying to – and so I think rising costs and things also have to do with that. But what I'm saying is, like, let's say I live in Nashville, okay, and I'm going to go catch the Braves because that's a regional team where people drive to go see them or maybe plan a weekend to get out for a couple of games or something. Then, yeah, I, if the Angels are coming and they haven't been there in a while, that might be the weekend or the time that I choose to go down and catch a couple of ball games. Right, so um, do I think it's going to to completely grow attendance numbers? No, but I also think that that rising cost to attend major league games, plus the accessibility the accessibility of games uh, via MLB TV and other media outlets and that kind of stuff, make it harder. Listen, baseball is not the first to deal with this. There there were conversations about. Uh, how few teams um, have really shown uh, gains in attendance numbers, even in college football, which is a passion in the South, right? Um, so I just think that this is another way to help combat that and still get people in the seats. So devil's advocate on that one. It's not unique to baseball. Football uh, I'm going to point to football is, is very possibly the most TV watchable sport that exists. Right. And, and we all know it, right. It, it, football just has this immense power and it's so good on TV. And yet the, the in-person experience um, hasn't really uh, gone away or, or decreased. Whereas baseball, you, and I'm, I want to kind of jump down to the pitch clock here. You know, we were talking about it earlier, you just need to keep people engaged. Um, to me, that's the thing. It, it's keeping keeping engagement high. Um, yeah, the in person experience is 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 good, but the at home experience right now, especially after people spent you know a big chunk of of two of the last three years, if not more, of their lives at home. Um, I think people have gotten so good and so comfortable being at home. It's like, why go out to the ballpark? Why spend, like you had said, why spend 15 bucks for, for a beer that could cost two or three bucks at home plus transportation, plus just the time. Um, you know, there's 162 of these, you know, 81 in your city. 
Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think just putting the stars in the cities more and making the argument that, hey, now you get a chance, you know, you you might miss the opportunity to see Mike Trout, you know, you might have to wait seven years in between trips or something like that, right? I do think there is a need. There's, there's a middle ground, right? Make the schedule. You play your four division teams or five division teams, I guess the other four, uh, X amount of times, you know, let's call it 19 times a year. I don't know where I came up with that number. Seems like a good one. Um, but you do that, and then the rest of it, you rotate around and you, you maybe play each division one series, something like that. So it's basically your schedule is a little bit of everybody, but it's pretty much your division. And it's the, it's the division that's going to separate you. And, and like Nate was saying earlier, that would give a team like the Orioles a chance to play the other bad teams. And also, you know, conversely, the other good teams that have the stars that want to come in. Um, and also one last, last point, because I have a question for Nate. But my last point on this is then you also get different play styles, right? I think each division um, has has very different styles of ball. If you look at them in sort of silos, you have the AL East, which I think is a little bit more um, hit-based, but they've got really good pitching. I mean, they were built to be a very strong pitching. Then you look at a division like the NL East. I think that's a really strong hitting division. But then you look at the AL West, or I'm sorry, the NL West with the Dodgers and the Potters. I mean, the Dodgers are good at everything. Um, but that's a very pitching heavy. Uh, uh, I think it's a very pitching heavy division. Um, I don't know if the uh, the DL the DL. I don't know if the um, DH in both leagues makes it more balanced. Um, but Nate, I, I'm really curious because of, because of that that point about having the Orioles play other teams. Do you do you think playing other play styles for the Orioles helps or hurts them? And I think that's really the question I want to ask. But Nate, before you answer, I do have to do one thing. I just have to remind everybody that the baseball buffet that we're all enjoying and listening to right now is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. And don't forget that the PHI Apparel Company provides unique and high quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. Well, you don't have to be in Philly. Um, they've got all kinds of cool shirts, hats, anything you can want. Just make sure when you go there, you go and use our promo code CHEFS, that's C-H-E-F-S. You can get your PHI Apparel Company uh, snapback hat, uh, which is on sale right now. They've got some cool fixers gear, which, you know, get it, get ready for next season. You never know exactly what they'll do. Tons of cool Philly stuff, though. I got to say, they have uh, they have a cool logo right now with the Phillies where the logo's kind of cut off. It's got the red, the white, and the blue. It's pretty spazzy. Um, so go ahead, check it out, phiapparel.co. Nate, real Eagles quick, are supposed to be think? good this Eagles are supposed to be good this year, so uh, they made some and trades and whatever. And so yeah, they're supposed to be good. So you know, now's the time to start showing your support. Get that AJ Brown jersey. Uh, you know, support oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Um, so Nate, I got a question for you, buddy. As a fan of the yeah. Orioles, I mean, do you? So how how important it is? Is it more important for you to see other stars? or play teams that are of uh, more on par with the level of play that the Orioles have been putting out there? I mean, would you rather see, uh, you know, like the, the more of the teams like the A's and the Pirates, or do you want to see the stars come in from Texas and San Diego when, and, and the Dodgers? As an interested fan – I want to see the Orioles play more to their competition. To like, I want to see them play more teams in line with them that they have a realistic chance of beating more often. As a neutral, I want to see the stars come to town more often. So I'm kind of like, I, I realize that I'm kind of answering your question both ways. If I'm buying a ticket as an Oriole fan to an Oriole game, I want to buy a ticket to a game that they are – at least competitive in and have a chance to win. So, like, I will pay to go see the A's versus the Orioles because I know that my team can potentially win that game. Now, as a complete... Oh, it's not just because game, you want to see Seth Brown? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as, sorry, sorry, as, a, as, as a complete and totally neutral fan, so, like, if I'm going to a White Sox game down on the south side of Chicago, 
it's going to mean more to me to go see the game when the Angels are in town so I can see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout than it is to go see the White Sox in Kansas City, even though I would love to watch Bobby Witt play. But, you know, the star draw is going to have more appeal to me as a neutral, as somebody that's completely uninvested in either team that's on the field. Does that make sense? I, I mean, yeah, it does. I, I just I, – I respect it. I do, I'm trying to remind myself that you're terribly biased. Um, but it's not it's, – Every you know, time. It's, I'm sure it's, it's – I'm sure – I'm sure it's a cake shared by many. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Now, guys, we've got – I'm looking at the clock. We've got 15 minutes to go. Um, Mike, I know you had a couple things you wanted to touch on today. Um, I'm just going to give you the floor. Is there anything that's been standing out to you that you really wanted to bring up here? Because you gave me a whole list of stuff, and I want to make sure I give you a chance. No, so um, I'll I'll be brief and just kind of do a little – uh, whip around, no, uh, around I'm gonna call it that. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, a little around the horn thing. Uh, listen, Luis Robert was starting to find it with the White Sox. Now he's on the COVID list, um, but at least it's not a major injury like we saw last year. But he was really starting to hit the ball. Uh, Johnny Cueto. I mean, listen, if you can watch him pitch, he doesn't have the explosiveness anymore. But watch him. Uh, he is—he's just turned into a wizard, man. Just his weird motions, the way he spins. He kind of is deceptive with the ball. Um, he pitched pretty well. Pitched pretty good against the Yankees the other day, actually. Um, uh, I think the White Sox won both into that double hitter uh, the other day. Yeah, they did. And and then they won the Sunday Jam too, right? Like, um, so uh, seeing him. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is starting to figure out. You know, we got Kalinic struggling and. Uh, who knows what's up with Kyle Lewis, man. Every time he starts to find it, he gets banged up, but I expect him back soon. And now they just signed Justin Upton. So we talked about how many uh, outfielders uh, Seattle has, and they just added another one to the mix. So, uh, But Julio Rodriguez is hitting the ball pretty well. Adley Rutschman is showing that he's really got some pop in his bat, and uh, he's hitting the ball pretty well since he's recently come up. Um, the Dodgers are quietly on a pace. Listen, they, they got beat. Pretty good by the Phillies. Um, in L.A., they were definitely returned the favor, and now they got a, a stretch of games that are very winnable games for them, Washington, Arizona, and so on. So uh, the, the Nationals are uh, – I mean, I'm sorry, the Dodgers are continuing to play well, um, and I'm, I'm impressed with uh, what you see from them. But how can you not be with that lineup that they can put out there every day? Um, but so – I. I look around the league. I, I, those are uh, some of the things that 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 just pop out to me. I already mentioned the fact of Acuna having all those uh, having all those stolen bases uh, just in a very very short time, which is uh, pretty impressive to see because you just don't you don't see that as much anymore. And then the other thing that I will say about um, Atlanta right now is Wilson Contreras' little brother William. Um, is starting to hit a little bit. He's a backup catcher. He was going to not have to be that this year, but with Manny Pena going out, he is. But you know, they're starting to line him up some in the outfield and that kind of thing just to get his bat in the lineup. Travis Demerit has kind of gone um, south after really kind of being hot for a little while. So um, William Contreras is starting to emerge. We've already talked about uh, the Mets as well. And listen, um, uh, he's not he, – he doesn't blow you away with all the strikeout numbers and whatever, but Sandy Alcantara and Florida, listen, that Mar- the Miami, that Marcelo Suna trade um, is really starting to pay off for them. This guy's changeup is 90 miles an hour. I mean, that's yeah, 91. That's all right. That, like that, right? Yeah, his fastball is hitting 98, 99, changeup 91, but he – the crazy thing is, is he he induces a lot of soft contact. He's not a guy that's gonna ten, twelve, thirteen strikeouts every time, but he definitely you know leaves you scratching your head like uh, what was that? And so uh, Sandy Alcantara is, uh, Alcantara has been has been pitching really well for uh, for the Marlins. It was fun to watch him work on Sunday. I would have liked to see my team scratch out a win there, but they did win the series. So check and keep moving. Um, but so those are kind of uh, a few things in the game that are jumping out to me. And 
you know, we're starting to see more and more young pitchers come up. So, um, Alex Fido from Detroit, Matthew Libertor, uh, former LSU Tiger in St. Louis, who struggled a little bit this past weekend. Um, but but we're starting to see more and more prospects make their way up to uh, to the major league. So, pretty exciting times. Yeah, no, I there's for I baseball. Matt Olson just hit a home run off the foul pole. I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second. Uh, Matt Olson, you're allowed out there for for Atlanta, right there against the Phillies. After Max Fried just I, uh, just uh, left the bases loaded by uh, getting a couple big strikeouts to get out of the last inning. No, I, I was trying to say I I do love a good. Um, I do love a good a good call up, especially early in the season. Um, I definitely don't like when the call ups are later in the season, and and with some of the rules uh, in place, I think we're going to see a lot more players coming up early in the season. Um, you know, if you look at at say the top, you know, I think you guys were talking about talking earlier about the top 100 prospect list, which to me is. I don't know. I think to me, it's one of the most fun things I I've mentioned in the past that I'm part of a, you know, a, a fantasy keeper team. And, you know, I, I always try to keep an eye on, on who the, the next young players are. And I mean, there is just a pack of good young shortstops coming up and it's not just, and, and Nate, please don't shoot me for this one, you know, but I, the teams that draw the highest ratings, I guess I'll go with that. You know, like you've got, Rutschman and Rodriguez for, for the Orioles, who are, I mean, I, right now they're one and three. But what I want to talk about is that you've got Volpe for the Yankees, you've got Abrams for the Padres, you've got Luciano for the Giants, Marte for the Mariners, and uh, Mayer for the Red Sox. Now, with Marte to the Mariners aside, the other teams have had such good relative success recently, the Yankees, the Padres, the Giants, the Red Sox. And the Red Sox shouldn't really say they've had relative success. It's actually not really true. But we all know that if the Red Sox uh, like their little playoff run at the end of last year, you know, the city of Boston was like, oh, yeah, that's right, baseball. And they all became really big fans until they lost and then they went away. Um, but those teams with the big draws and the shortstops and the players in the middle, um, shortstops and catchers are – I don't know why they seem like the future. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, you're trying to build straight up the middle. Um, But whatever they're doing, I think there's a lot of really good young players that are coming up um, over the next two or three years in addition to what we have now. But what's exciting, my bottom line is you're going to see these guys earlier than later. Um, And I'm really – the only reason – I could see a team holding a guy back until he's older is Aaron judge because Aaron judge is going to prove the myth wrong that you have to be a good young player in order to get your bag. Like you have to be your top piece. If Aaron judge keeps on this pace that he's on, I think he's going to have no choice, but to just throw, throw as much money as they possibly can at him. And to me, selfishly, that is one of the most interesting storylines of the second half. Um, baseball, the baseball scene, which you know we're not even you know close to the halfway point. Quite frankly, um, it's not even quarter June pole. yet. Yeah, we did the quarter I mean, pole this it, weekend. Goodness gracious! Um, so I, I, I want to leave you guys. We've got we've got a couple minutes left, and then we got to shut it down. Um, don't want to blow that close this weekend. You know, kid, don't want to be a, a Jairus Familia. Hey, watch your mouth. Um, <laughs> I, by the way, real quick, you guys did, you did fantastic last week. I, 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 you know, listen to the podcast on Spotify a little bit, and uh, you guys are 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 uh, awesome, and I appreciate you filling filling in for me. Um, but what do you want to see uh, from the teams who are struggling? I, I, let's leave the teams who are good right now. Let's leave them out of it. But what do you want to see? Um, from the teams that are struggling to try to pick it up so that way they don't have to become sellers at the trade deadline? How do they get themselves out of that basement? Uh, who do you think will step up and be closer to, to 500 or even leading their division at the All-Star break? Uh, Mike, I want to go with you and then toss it over to Nate, and then I'm going to call it a day. All right, uh, real quick, uh, before I do that, 
Uh, thanks for uh, checking us out. Without listeners, we wouldn't be here. Thanks to Timeless, Villain, uh, Sirius, or all the other chefs. Man, and much respect to you guys. Enjoy doing the show with you guys. And we didn't fill in for you, man. We just covered. We're all three a team, and uh, as long as we got two of us on here, uh, uh, we're covered. So um, check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. Time this is deal. And then on Wednesday nights on Clubhouse, there's a really cool room called the Baseball Collective. Um, and it's baseball discussion pretty much all night. It starts about 9 o'clock Eastern and runs uh, probably later than you want to be up. But Michael Patrick has worked with MLB Media for a long, MLB Media for a long time. We've had uh, Taylor Hearn pitcher with the Rangers and and some other guys um, in there as well. But lots of good baseball minds and baseball discussions. So if we feel like moseying over to Clubhouse, come check that out at some point. Um, I think that, you know, one team that I still am going to remain bullish on for a little bit longer, um, I think the – if Seattle can get into uh can somehow stabilize their lineup and get a little consistency. I think that division is still kind of um with the exception of Houston, I think you're gonna see some other teams struggle. Um, you know, the Angels had a little bit of a down week. Had a tough time in Texas last week, so I think Seattle can still get back in that discussion. And the Braves are still sitting like uh fourth place right now. In the uh, between third and fourth place in the in the East, and I think getting Acuna back and and maybe trying to stabilize this this lineup a little bit, um, you know, Charlie Morton has really righted the ship, and so I think that's the recipe for them is just to continue to uh, to get the right guys at bats and find the right mix, and and I think the Braves are going to be much closer to first than fourth by the All Star break. All right, Nate, what do you think? And now let's go to Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the Braves, well, I mean, the Braves were this way last year too, weren't they, like right around or under 500 at the All-Star break and ended up winning the the division last year? Yeah, they didn't get over 500 until August. Yeah, and, you know, Mike, you and I touched on it last week, how I, I do expect the Braves to still put a scaring in the Mets because even with everything that's going right for the Mets right now, at the end of the day, I still think they're the Mets. They're going to find a way to, to beat the Mets. Um, you wow. kind of stole my thunder with you kind of stole my thunder with Seattle. So I'm going to go with Detroit. I think Detroit has enough young raw talent there that as the season goes along, it's all going to start clicking into into place. Spencer Torkelson is just He's a monster with a baseball bat, and he's going to learn how to hit at the major league level. It's going to click for him, and there's something magical going on with Miguel Cabrera as he chases more and more history every year. So I think Detroit is going to creep up there. They're going to end up catching Cleveland because Cleveland is just kind of like they're just existing in the baseball universe. They're not really trending up. They're not trending down. Um, I hate to agree with Tony LaRusso on anything, but I do agree with what he said, oh, like over the weekend. Where as long as they can, as long as the White Sox can keep within touching distance of Minnesota, I think Chicago ultimately will come back and win that division. They just have, like, and it's another team that just has too much talent. The question yeah. is, are they going to be able to get all their pitching together? And in terms of, you know, for a for a lesser um, team. It's going to be interesting to see what Oakland does. Like, are they are they actually going to outdraw the number of cats that are in the stadium? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you there, Nate. Um, you know, just real quick, I got I got like a, a ten seconds here. Uh, I think we're going to see the Blue Jays actually do what what we want them to see. Dark horse, though. I think the Twins might falter a little bit and give the White Sox that window. But most importantly, uh, I just want to say like uh, I appreciate. Um, like thing earlier, shout out to everybody who's been uh, part of the chefs. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Make sure you check out the PHI Apparel Co. I have said enough for the last time. I wish you all a very pleasant, good afternoon. Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs, Sports City, Sports City, Chefs.
kaboom. Sports city chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune. Bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom. The clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in. We on the set again. Sports city, sports city. Chef you, chef you. Uh-huh. <laughs>